Minda Wilson with Urgent Care. Today I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Topher Wirtz, who is the co-founder with his son Kirby of Autism Village. Um, it's it's a very interesting project and I I know you'll all want to learn more about it. Welcome, Topher. Oh, thanks for having me. So so not everybody knows what autism really is. So how could you sort of give us an idea of what is autism? There's a lot of different opinions. Well, well, that's because there's probably a lot of different um, versions of uh, folks with autism. It's, you know, it's a type of neurodiversity. And so uh, some folks uh, liken it to sort of uh, folks that have a different operating system. And so, uh, and it's a spectrum. So it might range from uh, folks that are just a little quirky and uh, maybe struggle with some social constructs and stuff uh, to folks that are nonverbal and, um, and struggle with a, the need for a variety of stimulation or, um, or maybe have um, uh, acute reactions to, to certain tastes or smell or clothing textures or whatever. So, uh, and, and in many cases, at the deeper end of the spectrum, uh, it, it comes, it might be, uh, uh, you know, along with another comorbidity of some kind. So, so really, uh, you met one person with autism, you've met one, and then, then the next one will be different. That's maybe why everybody thinks it's a little different. So is it a neurological disease? Or I, I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand. Or is it a biochemical yeah. disease of of the brain I'm, I'm just yeah the, the 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 working assumption and we have a lot of brain scans now of folks uh with autism that imply that it's it is certainly a, a neurodiversity it's a different you know the brains are different and there's a physiological there appears to be a physiological difference uh in the brain so the way brain develops is that uh it develops from the stem the sort of lizard brain that fight, flight, all that stuff, and then, um, and then over a number of makeovers between birth and just before 30 years old, uh, the brain develops, and, and during that time, the neurons are, sort of grow out, swim out from the center, and what we see in scans of, uh, of folks with autism is, is that uh, the, the lobes of the outer parts of the brain aren't lit up uh, in the same consistent way of somebody that we would consider typical. And so uh, it's a difference. It's probably a difference in, in, in brain development, although, you know, the jury's still out and research is still ongoing to figure out exactly what's happening. And so you mentioned it's a spectrum. So, uh, you know, there is as I've heard of like Bill Gates is famous for having Asperger's. Is that on the spectrum or, you know, like what does the spectrum look like? Well, Asperger's was uh, <clears throat> was a label that was used for folks that generally higher functioning, as I described, might be just a bit socially awkward, but are very comfortable maybe with, uh, with, with numbers or, or other less uh, personal kinds of constructs and interactions. It's not really as, as much in use uh, now, and it has been co-opted to be sort of the high functioning end of the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, and, so that's sort of that's sort of when you hear Aspergers, you you kind of find people that are um, able to to function more or less on their own, just a little little quirky and different. Maybe have specific 
interests um, and capabilities that they focus on quite intensely. Uh, one of the challenges, of course, is that folks are familiar with autism maybe from uh, movies like Rain Man or, or, other, or other places where they're heralding the fact that um, autists have some amazing ability. And in the case of Bill Gates, right, a brilliant um, software guy, business guy, et cetera. Not, not while in many cases where those kinds of exceptional abilities exist, you might find autism. The, the, the converse isn't always true. So one of the things that people trip over when they meet a parent with somebody who has autism is they ask them, well, what amazing skill does your child have? And of course, um, most of our kids are just, just typical kids. So. So when you, when Kirby was 18 months old, you, you noticed something that made him different from other 18 months old. So what sort of started you on your journey to find out that he had autism? Well, we were very lucky at the time. Uh, I was working for a global media company and traveling a lot. And our uh, first son, who's only 11 months older than Kirby, was with us. And Kirby came along behind. So uh, sort of uh, Irish twins, sometimes they call that. Mm -hmm. We had these two kids very close together. And, uh, and I was traveling a lot globally. And so we decided that, um, that my wife uh, could use a second pair of hands to change two kids in diapers, all that stuff. And uh, a young lady from New Zealand came to, to, to sort of work with us and nanny with us. And she'd worked in a preschool uh, in New Zealand that had some kids on the autism spectrum. And uh, she went to our friends uh, while she was here and she said that she thought she saw these traits. And they encouraged her just to talk with us, and we did. And so we were very lucky in that she she was able to identify that uh, in in the early days, in the early stages, that in our state goes through Easter seals. So they sent out an expert, and she did some research, testing, and so forth. And and she said, "Yeah, I think he's on the autism spectrum." And we're like, "How do you know?" And we kind of, as, as as many parents do, struggle with the idea that um, we had a, a different sort of a critter here with the curb and. So um, eventually she said, listen, when you've been doing this as long as I have, you know, you kind of just know. I know you hate that, but that's kind of how it is. And that is how it is. Nikki, who was with us, had identified these some behaviors, some traits, some lack of pointing, lack of eye contact, different things. And, um, and of course, this Easter Seals expert, she saw that too. And now, uh, not 18 years down the road, I would say that I can pick pick folks out of a out of a group too pretty quickly so it's uh, after you live and know them very well um you can kind of just see the, the 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 social and behavioral manifestations of the autism spectrum so if you're a parent who doesn't have the benefit of somebody like that but you think your child is you know maybe not behaving the way what are some of the things that they might look for to to before they have their kid tested at that age. Well, so most of yeah, so most of the symptoms, of course, rely on folks around you. Uh, doesn't have to be somebody like like Nikki that worked for us, but but a lot of times you you have friends or educators in your circle that will pick it out. Um, so be open, listen to it is what I would recommend. And then once you start to look into it, you'll find there's a number of things that. Uh, that are fairly common. So uh, very young children often point at things and from the autism spectrum don't do that as much. 
They won't make eye contact as much. You might notice certain sensory, acute sensory behaviors, reactions to certain touches, feels, smells, sounds. Often they, they get very distressed with loud sounds like a siren or a vacuum cleaner. So, so if you, you know, I would say that the first thing is to be open-minded. Second thing is, try, you know, talk to your network, seek folks out that are a little further down the road with more experience. And the third thing is just do a little research and then you'll, you, you know, you'll find the, um, you'll find some clues. And as soon as you think you might have identified it, reach out to experts like, like the folks at Easter Seals or whoever does early intervention in your state. Um, the, the, they'll come out and assess, assess the kids. And, um, uh, and I got some very good advice when I was sort of uh, in denial a little bit about Kirby, which was, listen, you know, the worst case is you, you serve as a parent, you're afraid of the di- a disability or a label. And, and a friend of ours said, listen, the worst case is you get more services than you need. You can always stop them. But if you resist, you're losing time to make a difference for your child. And I was like, okay, I get it right now. Your experience with Kirby sort of changed your life, made you made you rethink what you were doing and sort of uh, think about doing something else. And, and it led you to Autism Village. Yeah, it sure did. So I was, as I mentioned, I was traveling. We live outside of Philadelphia. I was, uh, my professional life, I was commuting to New York uh, a lot and so forth. And so uh, when you get a special needs diagnosis, you kind of have to rethink because the way you sort of did things before may not work uh, when, uh, in the future as you're raising a special needs kid. And so um, one of the things that happened is when Kirby was going from preschool age to school age program, uh, my wife and I attended the seminar the district school district put on, and as when to information about what would ha- what would the next phase would be like in school, and we looked around this sort of uh, big conference room, and there were lots of moms there. They had their um, their child with autism, and so often they had another uh, maybe neurotypical brother or sister with them. Uh, generally, they were by themselves with the kids. You know, Jan and I had uh, had somebody to watch, Kirby and Zandy, and we were there together by ourselves. And we looked around the room and thought, holy cow, I mean, how are these folks going to navigate all this stuff? There were clearly a lot of moms that were, you know, were stressed and, and the kids were fussy and they were they're getting a, a fire hose of information. Later, we come to learn that um, there's a very high divorce rate in couples who get a special needs diagnosis for autism. Uh, about about half are divorced by the time the child's five goes up to you know seventy percent when the child's seven or eight. Uh, typically, the kids are being raised by single moms who have one and a half jobs, and and again a peer, a brother or sister. So um, at that moment, we thought, well, what could we do with our knowledge and our skills from media and technology backgrounds and so forth that would be really practically helpful for these families? You know, there are lots of find a cause, find a cure, um, uh, various educational sports, so forth, but who was really providing pr- practical stuff? And we've been uh, sort of Yelp or TripAdvisor users and so forth. So we said, well, what if we build a location-based app that kind of uh, democratizes that water cooler and makes it persistent? Because every other family we met, the first question was, do you know a dentist that would be able to work with my child with autism? Or where do you get your hair cutter? Is your teacher good? Or 
my, they often elope, uh, uh, especially when they're young. So I have a, a child with autism who, who runs away, who elopes a lot, and I'm looking for a playground that has a fence all the way around. We thought, wait, we could apply technology to this problem. And so that's when the uh, Autism Village Foundation was born as a nonprofit and, and this global app where folks can share information about good and bad places um, you know, with each other via the app was uh, created. And and you you help both sides. So you help the parents, but you also help businesses become autism friendly. Well, that's right. Because as soon as we started that, then we started to get questions from businesses. And there are lots of groups that do that. They tend to be quite local, localized. Uh, some of the national nonprofits do provide supports for businesses and, and places. And of course, really big organizations like the airlines um, and, and, and very large amusement parks, let's say Disney, Sesame Place, they hire consultants. But often in, in areas uh, uh, sort of like in North Carolina or different places, the, 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 um, you know, the, the, uh, there's a local organization so, um, that, that provides some autism training, and we have one ourselves. So it's a very basic training for businesses to understand you know, what they need to do. And, and so what are some of the things that maybe takeaways that people that have autistic kids can sort of, or friends, people that have friends that have autistic kids can do in their homes to sort of make the environment easier for their friends that do have autistic kids? Well, lots of the, 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 what I say to folks is just talk to the parents, ask the parents, um, a lot of times the parents are just exhausted and uh, folks are worried about whether or not they're, they're really able to help, but the, but parents will help. Or even if you see strangers in public that are struggling and you think you've identified it really um, the most amazing thing you can do is just ask and then we'll tell you and, uh, and that support, whatever anybody can do, you know, is very precious to us. And sometimes it's just, uh, a few hours so uh, so somebody can have a nap or get out of the house to run an errand or, you know or sometimes it's more than that so mostly what I tell folks is uh, go with the parents they know the they, they, they know the um, the person the best and their needs the best and um, they're often afraid to ask for help or or maybe people are afraid that they can't help but as soon as the conversation starts they'll find a way to help so, um, so how did you how did you put the technology together? I mean, were you did you have a technology background? Was it something you 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 put you put together? Did you know how to build something like this when you first started? Yeah, I came from a technology background. I was uh, in, in even in uh, when I was in elementary school, was interested in amateur radio and then personal computers and. So I came from the technology side, and then I ended up in, in sort of the, the global media business. So we've been early adopters of technology, and we've built, and we've built software before. So we kind of knew how to go about it, and, um, and that's why we thought, well, this could be our contribution to the uh, global um, community of folks that are living with, uh, living with folks with autism. So it's interesting because um, I, I, I like your approach because – uh, as you said, there are a lot of organizations that are devoted to a cure or, uh, you know, medical support, but you're trying to make life 
uh, better for the parents who and the kids who have autism by making their daily living uh, more uh, more normal, you know, more and more supported. So I, I, I like that approach a lot. And then how how do you people find out about you? What's the best way? You know, what's the best way for people to get to know about you? Well, we're pretty easy to find, autismvillage.com on the web. Um, we have uh, social sites and all the ma- major social platforms. Uh, there's a mobile app in, the, in both the Apple um, iOS store and in the Google Play store for Android devices. So it's not too hard to find. And, and of course, we're, we're always uh, looking for opportunities to, to do more stuff all along that theme, uh, which is as, exactly as you described, we're kind of our raison d'etre is the, is the practical stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the daily life of somebody that has a kid with autism. What, so for somebody outside who actually doesn't know anyone whose kid is autistic, what would we see if we walked into somebody's life that had an autistic kid? Yeah. And, um, you know, there's many versions of that answer as there are people with autism, but some of the things that are pretty common are that uh, the, the, the maybe control of routine uh, can either be uh, very lacking or, or very overbearing. So a lot of the folks on the spectrum need a very predictable and recurring routine. And so in those houses, there's a lack of flexibility or, or, or ability to change, you know, direction very quickly. In other houses, there's, there's a good deal of chaos. Um, and some of that is because it's imposed. So as an example with Kirby, you know, he is very interested in, and many of the, 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 the folks on the autism spectrum get very interested sort of in trains or different things, mechanical things. And so he's interested and has never lost his interest in the Thomas tank engines. So they're always lined up and, stickers on the wall with their names and different things. And, and we just have to kind of accept that. Right. Um, he doesn't sleep easily a lot. So, uh, so that meant that in the early days, uh, Jan and I would have to take shifts at night so that somebody was up because he isn't a loper. He would climb out the window and run away. And stuff. so generally there, what I would say that's different is, is that there's less control. The parents have less, less control. You know, you have less control when you have kids to start with in autism houses, the, the, the person with autism has a, um, you know, is really, is really driving the bus on control. And so in that case, you just got to be really flexible. It can be very stressful. Right. You have to be very vigilant. It sounds like in terms of, you know, making sure your child is safe and, and making sure that they're not, doing something that can harm themselves. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Well, Kirby has uh, a very little safety awareness and he elopes and so forth. That's not all, not everybody's experience, mm-hmm. uh, but in many cases, you know, it's a, it's a part of the, you know, it's a, it's, it's in the soup, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, so it so sounds like, again, I'll go back to you t- really, talk to the family, you know, and, and, and take the time. Um, don't be afraid and take the time to really try and understand your friends, your particular family's um, experience and challenges. 
And it sounds like you need a support system too, that this, this creates a support system in the community because it sounds like it could be very lonely and isolating if you're a parent with some, a kid that has autism. It, it is. And um, as an example, we have a, uh, uh, there was a dad nearby that started a uh, scout troop for uh, kids with autism. And, and so uh, we participate in that. And in that case, there's a dad or a mom and, and the um, and the child with autism on on sort of every event or every meeting or every camping trip and after the kids all go to bed there's definitely a support group component of on camping trips as an example but um, likewise uh, you'll see you'll see that in all different ways online groups in many communities for special needs special ed parents uh, and and really it's not of course it's not just parents with kids with autism it's um, um, it's it's just special needs parents. Somebody that has a special needs child needs a lot of support. A lot of can be very lonely and isolating. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about the app that you provide through Autism Village by learning good places, sharing information. You're creating a a a, a support system for people who uh, who. That's right. You know, it's like it's like the moms network. You know, when when you're a new mom you're creating that same opportunity for people to find out, you know, what's, what's the best situation? Where's the best place to go for pizza? You know, as you said, where can I get my kid's haircut? Where can I go to an autism friendly dentist? And there are a lot of services based on the needs of your children. I'm sure that are, uh, that they require a specific kind of touch or hand or environment in order for them to uh, have the service performed. It's a, well, that's absolutely true, and that's that's where we really, really have been able to try and help. Uh, the the uh, the bringing together of the users into community is is on our roadmap to have maybe discussion threads or groups, and that's 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 the piece that that I was saying that often that exists outside of, of our village, which is really, as you just described, about helping to share the, uh, the information around places and people and uh, businesses and parks and schools and doctors and stuff like that. So uh, we haven't yet built out like sort of the inter-user chat. It's on, again, on our roadmap, but everything requires a little bit of fundraising. So everything in its own time. So speaking of fundraising, if people want to support your organization what's the best way to reach out to you there's a uh, on the autismvillage.com website there's a donate uh, button there and uh, also we have a few little bits and bobs in the store that help us uh, so that's a great way to to, to help us out uh, frequently if you're following us you're on our email list or you're on the um or you're on the the following some social media in April and Autism Awareness Month and stuff where we're often out there doing campaigns and things. So um, those are all great ways to help. So um, at, so the so they can support you a couple of ways. The first way is donations. The second way is letting people know if they have an autistic child that there's this app there to help them help ease their burden of raising that child. And then uh, the third way is to sort of uh, reach out to you through your website, right? Through autismvillage.com. 
That's right. And and finally, if they're aware of local organizations that are our tool could be helpful to, we love to get connected to them. So uh, if there is a if there's a great educator or uh, autism services organization, then often we can help them to connect with the folks in their area. So uh, folks right. know about those. We love to hear about them. And if you're an organization that wants to become autism friendly, I understand that you provide a service to help them uh, improve their services for autistic people. That's right. At autismfriendly.com, we provide a basic training in, uh, uh, and, some, and some stickers, uh, door clings, and things like that once you've taken the training. Uh, for anybody that, that would like to know a little bit more about the, uh, how to best interact with uh, the public with autism and, and stuff. And again, ours is just a very basic one. There may be really great ones in local areas. So we can help connect you to them or we encourage you to search them out. Right. And the certificate on the door of a business like that means that if you have a child with autism, it means that they are an autism friendly place. They they will provide they will be helpful to you if you go in and they'll understand that your child, you know, has special needs. Is, is that correct? That's right. That That's right. And of course, it's not a perfect scenario and, and that not every time every scenario can always be accommodated by every business, but it it signifies that they've taken the time to learn about it and um, that they're going to do their best to, to make everything work out really well for the, for the family. So how does he get, how do the brothers get along? In our case, they get along fine. Um, that's another interesting piece. I like the, what amazing skill does you, what savant like skill does your, your autistic child have? Because you see a lot of these very inspirational stories in the media about siblings that are doing amazing things with their um, with their special needs brother or sister. Uh, in in most cases, they're just sort of typical brothers and sisters, and sometimes the typical ones are just frustrated and not interested at all. The, the 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 autism or or any special need really can sort of grow to take all the air out of the room and that can be frustrating to the to the sibling. In our case, we do all right. His brother likes him enough, and um, and, and they get along. All those you know, mostly in sort of parallel, not not really you know, tightly interactive as you might imagine two boys that are eleven months apart. The boys would 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 do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that makes a lot of sense. I just, I just think that it would be interesting because, not interesting. I think it would be, um, you know, there, there would be a protectiveness maybe, you know, from the outside world, and then in the house they would probably have their own drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it certainly creates a little bit of. I mean, I think his brother's frustrated at times, so there's some drama, but we do, we do better than many. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I have two kids and there's sibling drama between them. So I don't see if one of them was autistic, I would assume the volume could, could go up. <laughs> yes, yes, it can. It can. So uh, the, where the typical one retreats, right, that, that happens too. And so, um, and then they often feel like their needs aren't met, but they often feel guilty about sort of advocating for their own needs and, you get really entirely focused on the special needs kids. So that happens. 
we try to avoid it. It's a very, it's an interesting, it's an interesting parenting dilemma on how to best navigate all that. Yeah. And the real, the real issue is, is that as I described, uh, I mean, here we are, we're, we're uh, two sort of uh, college educated couple with uh, decent jobs and, and, and all that. And a lot of these kids are being raised by single moms that are, you know, really underwater. And, um, I mean, the majority of these kids are being raised by single moms that are underwater. So right. um, we're very conscious of how lucky we are. Uh, typically, typically dad disappears. Right. So I didn't mm-hmm. sign up for this special needs kid. I'm out. Right. Kind of thing. And, um, and that's a pretty common scenario. So. So that's also a financial problem. It creates an additional financial problem as well. On top of everything. Yeah, yeah. Most special needs families are struggling with a with a financial burden, and certainly the single parent situation is 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 worse than most. So that drives that mom to get that other half a job, and you know, you're a single mom raising a special needs kid and another one maybe that's typical and working one and a half jobs. I mean, you could just imagine the stressors and the the whole system is. Uh, just navigating the system is a mountain of work and uh, the, you know, dealing with the school district and individualized education plans. And of course the districts are, are now dealing with a large growth in this population and they're very expensive. So there's this tension between providing as they're required to what what's needed and, and balancing their budget. And, you know, so now our over overworked single mom is trying to, to represent herself to administrators who are trying to save money and and deliver the minimum, but you know, and she wants the maximum. And um, likewise, the the services, the behavioral health health services uh, provided uh, through uh, through social uh, the social services, social security, welfare, etc. You know, I mean, that process is inc- incredibly bureaucratic and cumbersome, and so all of that is a challenge for our single mom with a special needs kid. Right. And, and probably another one too, you know, not just one. Do autistic kids do well together? Like if you have, you know, if you have a group of them, is that a safer place for them than to be mixed in with regular kids? Like if in a classroom environment or a, an, another kind of environment or no? Uh, again, very, very mixed bag. And that's one of the challenges that we have with this little scout troop is, uh, especially as you, that you often get, uh, different, different mental, um, sort of abilities at different ages. So you get a widespread of age and sort of, uh, developmental state and, and how do you program for that? And then uh, throw in some interesting behavioral challenges in the mix. The special ed classroom is a challenging place. Sometimes it works and sometimes it's quite tricky to make it work. I see. That's very interesting. I, I you know, I never realized how complicated it is, you know? Yeah, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a, there's quite an iceberg below the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate this. I hope, uh, you know, I hope it'll be helpful. I, I may, I'd like to talk to you again at some point to just check in and see how things are going. Sure. Um, I appreciate sure, your time. Any time that I can be helpful and, 
And it's great when we just get the really lots of folks just don't understand. So anytime that we can just get a broader group of people that maybe haven't interacted with the population, um, some more information and maybe less fear of it, then we win. So I'm always happy to do that. Well, Topher, it's it's really been a great pleasure talking to you. Again, um, if anyone wants to reach out to his organization, it's uh, it's on through the web. It's www.autismvillage.com. And if they uh, want to reach out to you personally, can they send an e- email through the website? They have any questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Any of the uh, website emails will reach me or or I'm uh, my my email there is tougher, like the second half of Christopher, T-O-P-H-E-R, at autismvillage.com. Well, thank you very much and and good and good luck to you. It's a it's a wonderful thing you pro, you're doing for people and a wonderful service. We appreciate you coming thank on. You. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. This is Minda Wilson for Urgent Care. <laughs>